Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
two guys that, you know, just hell, two guys, as I just said, two guys to stay on the same team for 11 years is fairly amazing these days. An 11-year career in the NHL is fairly impressive all on its own, not only to get 20 goals uh, in each season you've played together. Um, in injury news, uh, Ben Bishop, Dallas Stars, lays a goose egg, and uh, that's not like it's his fault or anything, but throws a big uh, wrench into the wheel of the Dallas playoff push as he's going to be out for two weeks with a lower body injury. And boy, uh, we're going to get to that in a bit, but man, does that make it tough for Dallas. They were in a dogfight to start with, and now without their best goalie, well, <laughs> you know what that means, people. So uh, we'll have a more in-depth look at that in a bit. Uh, what else we got? Uh, uh, Panarin from the St. Louis Blues. Injured, but nobody seems to know how long your day-to-day right now with further evaluation to take place. Uh, that may or may not put an end to the St. Louis Blues season. And Who would have thought that they were would be fighting for a wild-card spot? I think most people had them comfortably in the playoffs at the beginning of the year. Uh, other injury news. Uh, Toronto. Not that Toronto needs any more help because they're doing well, but... Uh, Rookie, not rookie sensation. Sensation, Austin Matthews is expected back tomorrow, along with goaltender Freddie Anderson. Um, Toronto's been winning anyway, so there's more help uh, trying to get their uh, lines in order, et cetera, for a, what's going to end up being a vicious first-round playoff for them, no matter who they play. But, uh, you know, it's good to have the entire crew back on deck for any amount of playoff attempt you're going to push for. So that's good news if you're at least found. And uh, that's it for uh, news and updates. Um, Moving on, uh, let's have a quick look at the standings and uh, possible playoff uh, matchups. Right now, let's uh, fire over to the West for a change. Let's start in the West. Uh, Nashville Predators up top, 104 points. Uh, offensive juggernaut uh, doing everything right these days three game winning streak uh, just can't seem to lose and they've actually even clinched uh, one of the few teams that's uh, clinched playoffs already with uh, three weeks to go uh, after the Predators we've got the, the Vegas at uh, 97 points but uh, that gap's growing a little bit uh, then we got the uh, Jets right in there at 96 comfortably in the playoffs uh, followed by Minnesota Wild, a bit of a surprise there, or at least for me. Uh, then the surprise, what I think is a surprise too, the San Jose Sharks, despite all the turnover they've had there, is tied with Minnesota for 89. And the uh, Anaheim Ducks, holding down that last position in the Pacific Conference, also with 86 points. Then is where it starts to get interesting. And the wild card spot is, well, I guess still five teams kind of fighting it out. Maybe six if you want to. The, the third place in the Pacific is uh, open for grabs too. But that's really only between uh, certain teams. A couple of the wild card teams can't uh, can't get that spot. So, um that that makes for some interesting uh, scenarios uh, down the road, but 
the Pacific. Uh, so let's have a look at the Pacific first. Um, right now, uh, the Ducks hold that spot. Uh, next is uh, the Kings with 84 points and the Flames with 80. Uh, so uh, the chances of Calgary getting there are probably fairly slim. But L.A. could, could take that spot. Uh, they're only two points back, game in hand. Um, but L.A. also holds the last uh, wild card spot. So they they may flip-flop. Or one of them may go out entirely if... Um, one of the uh, Dallas or St. Louis can get their act together. Uh, the Stars are uh, two points back, and the Blues are a point back. Um, there again, can Calgary catch LA? I said four points back, but one extra game played. Probably not. I'm not sure if they play each other or not. That might be, that may make the difference. But if I was a betting guy, I, you know, Dallas has lost five games in a row, so I'm not liking their chances. And then with Bishop being out, I think that might be it for them. Uh, they're going to have to dig deep if they're going to uh, going to hold on to, well, they're not holding on to, but if they're going to grab one of them spots, uh, the Blues are. Two wins in a row, but they're a point back yet, and they've got a game in. No, they don't have a game in hand. They're even up, so there's possibility there yet. Uh, let me check uh, Calgary Flames' schedule and see if they play the Kings or not. If they play them, then I might be willing to give them an outside chance. If they don't, then I'm going to have to say that uh, they're not going to make it. Uh, Okay, they do have a they do have a game against. Actually, they've got a fairly decent schedule. They do have one game against LA on uh, next Monday, so that might be the keeper there for who gets in in the uh, in the uh, West. Uh, the East is a little less less complicated. Um, the six spots I think are pretty much set in the. As far as the divisions go, you're going to have Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Philly. Um, the wild card right now is uh, Columbus with 83 points and the Devils with 82. Uh, Florida really is probably the only team with a, any kind of chance. They're five points behind New Jersey. And they have three games in hand. So if they can win even one or two of those games in hand, that will put them basically even. And then the dogfight is on. Uh, the Hurricanes, however, are nine points behind. And the Rangers are ten points behind. So somebody's going to have to go on a five or six game winning tear. And somebody else is going to have to go on a five or six game losing skid. For any of that to happen, so I, I don't look for for that to happen. Um, Florida has games against Montreal, so that should be a win. Ottawa should be a win. Columbus, toss up. You know, Arizona behind them. The Islanders behind them. Ottawa again. Uh, Carolina behind them. Buffalo. Uh, 
and then two games against Boston to end the season. But Boston is going to be resting their, probably going to be resting their better players. So I would have to say that I like Florida's chances. Um, unless they're there again, you know, you never know. But uh, I like their chances of getting in. Um, so that's the standings. Let's have a look at the uh, where that would leave us for uh, playoff matchups. Uh, they are some. I really don't like the NHL playoff system. It's too many of the same teams playing each other again and again and again and again. And for some rivalries, that's fine. But for others, I would mind seeing somebody else uh, get a chance. But uh, anyways, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, Eastern Conference. If the playoffs were just to start today. We would have the Tampa Bay Lightning going up against the New Jersey Devils. I would have to say New Jersey would not stand a chance in that series. They might win one game at home. Uh, Otherwise, Tampa takes that to the bank. Um, Then we'd have the Washington Capitals against the Columbus Blue Jackets. That would be a much closer affair than many people would think. Columbus has got a pretty good team. Uh, pretty even offensively, defensively. Whereas Washington, you know, if you can keep them down off the scoreboard, and Lord knows if any team has got a playoff uh, jinx, it's the Washington Capitals. Um, I would not be at all surprised to see Columbus beat Washington. And that would leave us with the middle matchups. Uh, Boston against... Toronto. That'll probably go six or seven games, and as much as it pains me to say it, the Bruins will probably win. Um, Toronto has a bit of a stigma when it comes to Boston, especially after that playoff loss. Whatever that was in the strike season there, when they blew a 4-1 lead in the third period in game seven, I believe it was, or 3-1 or whatever it was. Um... Toronto would have to find a way to get over that hump. But that's what good teams do, you know. That's how you become a successful franchise. You overcome that adversity and you learn how to win games against teams you couldn't beat before. I mean, it's just, that's just how it is. The Bruins, they've got a good club. Uh, they got solid goaltending. Their defense that everyone thought would be horrible has... Their young guys have filled in well. Same with up front. You know, they got a couple of guys that, you know, the give me uh, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, David Pasternak. But they've got a whole pile of young guys that, you know, chip away and get it done too. Uh, the thing they might do in the Bruins, however, is injuries. Uh, Bergeron is still out. Chara is still out. And Charlie McAvoy is still out, I believe. So whether they, how long that takes, I mean, they still got three weeks till the playoffs, so it's probably not going to affect the playoffs much. But you know, team unity and all that stuff moving in is important. But I, I like Boston in that series, even though, like I said, I'm a Leaf fan. But I'll have to give that one to the Bruins. Uh, but in the other matchup, dream matchup if you're a East Coast United States citizen, Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers who despise each other with a hate that can only be matched by maybe the 
Oilers, Flames, Hatred, back in the glory days when they were both good. Um, Pittsburgh has only got two-point lead. So home ice is still up for grabs there in that one, although they do have one game in hand on the Flyers. Still, like I said, that one is up for grabs. Uh, Peter Morazic is looking, uh, making the Flyers GM look like a genius. I think that's Mr. Hextall. Um, he's come in there and settled down the goaltending. He hasn't been out of this world great, but he's been good. He's been steady. I haven't seen any of the regular oh my god moments from Philadelphia where you couldn't believe that the puck went in the net. So uh, that trade is looking to help them out in ways people didn't expect. Uh, good on them because I think that's good for that's good for hockey if the Flyers and the Penguins smash at it. That's that's one of those series your guy doesn't mind seeing again and again because the blood boils over from year to year and Lord knows, like I said, they don't like each other. So that makes for some good some good games. Uh, moving over to the West, where I'd have to say off the top of my head, the Predators are the favorites uh, to get back to the Cup after getting there last year and not quite making it. Um, if the playoffs started today, they would uh, first-round action against the Kings. Um, you know, that one... It's an interesting matchup. The Kings are kind of a tale of two teams. When they're going, they are a great team and they can beat anybody. And when they're not, they're pretty average. Uh, they've got a good goalie who, if he gets hot, can. Uh, I mean, they don't. They just don't give up very many goals anyway. Period. 181 on the season. It's pretty impressive in uh, 72 games. That's uh, what? Not even 2.5 a game. 144 and 30. Well, maybe about two and a half a game. But in this day's NHL, that's pretty amazing. Um, I think that one there again. Uh, you know, that's why you try to do better during the regular season. That whole nice advantage is huge. Going to be huge in a series like that, but uh, I would say uh, if I have to bet my money, Predators in six over the Kings if it stays that way. Uh, the next one, though, is the intriguer for me Vegas against Colorado. Uh, this is not just what can you say about the Vegas Golden Knights, they've over excelled in every possible way. Uh, there isn't anything that this franchise could have done as it turned in retrospect that would be better than how they've worked out. Uh, nobody, uh, not even them, is going to predict they even make the playoffs, let alone that they win their division in the first year. It's unheard of. It's crazy. Uh, it says a lot about... Well, it kind of says a lot about a few things if you really stop looking a little harder. Uh, a, did some NHL teams do some poor uh, job of scouting their own lineups when they left players open for Vegas? Uh, you know, usually in an expansion draft, um, there just isn't really that much to, to pick from. You know, you get the odd 
older guy who's you know, kind of the James Neal type player who isn't at the end of his career but is starting to get there. Nobody wants to pay him the big money for any amount of terms, so he ends up going to an expansion team. Um, but they've ended up with a fairly talented roster of players that one has to wonder why they were available. Um, specific, yeah, specific, specifically, Bill Monday morning. Uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, uh huge prospect, ends up in Vegas. Riley Smith is another one who the Bruins gave up on. 60 points in Vegas. Bet you they wouldn't mind having them. You know, when you look down their lineup, you sort of know all the names. You just don't associate them with uh, the big wins. You know, David Perron bounced around in. Uh, oh, he's another. <laughs> he's another ex-Oiler that wasn't good enough to play in Edmonton, and yet has push will push 75 points this year playing for an expansion team. Um, you know, you've got to. You gotta wonder when you see stuff like that. I mean, is the coaching that great in Vegas that they have somehow managed to create um, a scenario there that these guys can all overperform in? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Willie Carlson is another one who kind of toiled in obscurity in Columbus. Um, two full seasons in Columbus with a grand total of 15 goals. Uh, gets picked up by Vegas and is gonna, and has 39 this year, so he'll probably get 40-plus. Uh, now, in Columbus, that could be uh, John Tortorella at work, but still, uh, you know, it's interesting to interesting to see. And then, of course, they've had, uh, when he's not been hurt, uh, Mr. Flurry has provided them with good goaltending. And they're, uh, you know, their guys, whatever they've asked from their guys, they've managed to uh, to get. You know, you look at their defense, they don't really have any. Colin Miller, Nate Schmidt, Derek England, Shea Theodore, Brad Hunt, Lucas Pisa, I mean, you've heard these names. You know, Brayden McNabb, Jason Garrison, well, he's only played eight games, but you know, you know the names, but you don't really associate them with superstars or winning, and yet somehow they've managed to build something there. So that's that's pretty cool, I have to admit. But that being said, they're going to go up against Colorado. And if any team is finding itself... It's the Colorado Avalanche, who after the Matt Duchesne trade, I mean, I'm not saying Matt Duchesne was a the problem there because I don't necessarily think he was. Um, they've just been going up and up and up, and they're being led by two. You know, last week we talked about Miko Rantanen, who, as I said, most of you had probably never heard of. Uh, this week we're going to visit with another Avalanche, uh, Mr. McKinnon, who you've heard of, but I don't think you expect 
is up there as far as he is. But there again, they're another team just solid. I mean, they really only have the two superstars. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog's a pretty good hockey player. Um, and after that, you know, just decent players. Tyson Berry, uh, Blake Como, uh, Nikita Zadorov, guys like that who are steady, uh, don't make too many goofs in their own end. Uh, they don't cost their team games. They don't try to do more than, uh, you know, what they're supposed to do in their role in the team. And they let the big boys do what the big boys do which in the case of Nathan McKinnon has put up 90 points in a, in only 64 games. Uh, if he hadn't have been hurt, he'd be leading the league in scoring, and I'm, I would have said he's going to win the scoring title and the Most Valuable Player Award, and he still may do both. But we'll look at that a little bit later. Um, so, yeah, not, for me, not a lot to pick from. Uh, might come down to home ice because I, from what playing in Vegas has turned out to be not as easy as some people have thought it would be. But uh, oh boy, I'm gonna pick uh, I'm gonna pick Colorado to beat Vegas if it comes down to that matchup. Uh, then we got the Sharks and the Ducks, where the two West Coast teams can beat the crap out of each other. I don't care. I, both of these franchises annoy me greatly. Uh, the only thing they ever do that works for me is beat the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I don't care who wins that game, uh, uh, that series. matters not to me. Um, uh, but if I have to bet, I'd probably put my money on San Jose. Um, yeah, enough said about that. Uh, and then the last matchup, which for us Canadians up here in the north, provides us with uh, great interest is uh, the Winnipeg uh, versus Minnesota. Uh, The Jets are uh, as big a surprise as the Golden Knights. Uh, You know, everybody figured, okay, well, they got Patrick Laney and, you know, he's going to score some goals and they'll do okay and they they may, if they're lucky, they might limp into the playoffs. But uh, that hasn't been the case at all. Um, in fact, uh, they've got a few other guys that have uh, picked up the slack there. Uh, Blake Wheeler, in particular. Uh, Nikolai Ellers, another one. And uh, Mark Shifley, if he hadn't been hurt, is another guy who probably would have challenged for the scoring title. Uh, he's only got 52 points, in, but in only in 51 games, so one can argue. And then, like I believe I said last week, they've got those bit players, you know, Kyle Connor, big Dustin Bufflin, Brian Little, Matthew Perot, Tyler Myers, you know, Jacob Truba. They, they've got guys that, there again, not unlike, you know, like the good teams do. They've got their, they got their big boys, and that's what their big boys get paid to do. And they've got their role players and their defensive shutdown guys. And then on a team like this, they've got their heart guys, uh, uh, listen up, Edmonton Oilers fans, like Matt Hendricks, who only has 13 points, but that's not what he's there for. He's there for team unity and uh, good vibes in the dressing room. And that's what they get from a guy like that, and you got to have him. Uh, they also, uh, you know, the Paul Stastny pickup has been, you know, 10 points in nine games still, so, you know, that was a genius move. 
And Mr. Hollebuck in the net has held tight. And they're still cruising along. Uh, what can you say? Uh, the Minnesota Wild have got a fairly decent team. But uh, there's no way they hang with the Winnipeg Jets. That's Winnipeg wins that and moves to the second round. That's my prediction. So, you heard it here first. Um, something else I wanted to look at or talk about uh, kind of intrigues me a little bit is the uh, scoring race. Um, you know, the, the, the suspected or expected names are there. Then there's a few that, well, by rights, I sometimes wonder how they get their points, and yet they still seem to. Uh, looking at the top ten, starting at the bottom of that top ten, we have probably one of the most underrated hockey players in the world, and yet I can't blame anyone for underrating him. Because when you look at him, he just doesn't look like a hockey player. Short, stocky, chubby little dude. And, of course, I'm talking about Phil Castle, who, despite his look and, to me, what seems to be a lack of fitness, but obviously isn't, or he wouldn't be playing in the NHL. Uh, You know, going to score 30 again this year. Uh, 79 points for 10th place. Just, you know, what can you say? Phil Castle. A hope for mediocre body-shaped people in the NHL. Um, tied for eighth place. So that's a nine position eight and nine. Uh, Anze Kopitar, who I don't really think of as being that big a point guy, more of a defensive kind of guy lately in his career. And Blake Wheeler, both tied at 80 points. Blake Wheeler, another guy that probably don't hear that much about because he plays for Winnipeg. Um, but still, 80 points apiece. None to scoff at there. Uh, another little guy in at number seven. Calgary's pride and joy, Mr. Johnny Gaudreau, who is another one who mystifies me that how he manages to survive in the NHL and not be totally crushed with the size of his body. But 81 points for seventh. Tied for... Well, what they're calling fifth spot, so fifth and sixth, but tied for fifth, if that makes sense. Uh, Mr. Stamkos of Tampa Bay with 84 points, big comeback season for him. And the ever-steady, rock-solid, underrated Claude Giroux, who also has 84 points, had both headed for 30 goals, 60 assist seasons. Just uh, nothing but steady there. Both guys been around for a few years, still getting it done because they're A1 hockey players. Nothing more to be said. Uh, in that number, well, tied for third, so third and fourth, is uh, Connor McDavid and Mr. Nathan McKinnon. But as I had mentioned previously, Mr. McKinnon has played eight less games than anybody else. So the fact that he is actually tied... Actually, he's tied for second. All three of them are tied. Uh, Mr. Malkin is also in that list with 89 points. Um, (laughs) uh, So is 
that mean Connor McDavid isn't quite as good as everybody thought he was, or these other two guys are just as good as Connor McDavid? Which is it? I heard at the beginning of the season talk of 120 points for Connor, who he's obviously not going to get there. Um, I will talk about him more in a little bit. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's 89 points in 64 games playing for Colorado was amazing. That's a 1.4 point per game pace. So if you want to give him back his... uh, He would have 18 games left to play. So if you want to give him another uh, 24 points for the year, that would give him 113 for the season. Uh, If you want to give Connor... Uh, with 10 games left, he's on a 1.2. So that's 12 points. That'd give him 101. See what I'm saying? And even Mr. Malkin, who's on a 1.3, has 14 games left. So that's 14 and 4. That'd give him 18 points. That'd give him 107. So statistically, they'd both finish ahead of Connor. And then, of course, at the top of the heap, four points ahead of all of them right now, is Mr. Nikita Kucherov, who uh, I watched the game between Tampa and Edmonton last night. And he's another one of those goal-scoring type. You don't really seem to notice him too much. He's not really the flashiest of players. He got a really nice power play goal. And his second goal was just you know, swatting at garbage in front of the net, and he got lucky and it went in. But that's how those guys get their points. That's why they get those big inflated numbers. Um, I don't know if he... He says he's played 70 games. I don't know if the Tampa Bay has played 70 games or not, if he's got 12 left or if he missed a game or two. Uh, let's have a quick look here. We can find the standings. Of course, when you want to find them, you can't find them. Um... Yeah, okay, he's only got 10 games left to play. He's missed two games, but even uh, there, he's got another 13 points coming. That'd give him 106. But that easily makes um, Nathan McKinnon the winner, easily. Um, So, speaking of two of those four guys, uh, Connor McDavid and not winning the scoring race. I mean, I guess he might yet. He's only four points out. Um, is he going to get to 100, and will he win? Uh, my personal opinion on that is yes and yes. But he's not going to win it in the way you want to. Um, let's face it. Uh, he's a gem in a pile of rubble there in Edmonton. And he gets to play, and rightfully so, he gets to play all the glory. Uh, you know, he, he he's never out there. He gets to go out in the penalty, or the power play. He gets to go out when the net's empty. Um, he gets to go out in the more favorable um, uh, offensive spots. And even when he's not, um he still gets to play a lot, period. 
because they just don't have anybody else to put out there. So, I mean, he is their best player regardless, so he, he gets to go out. Um, I don't know at this time of the season whether they're really trying to match lines against them too hard anymore because it doesn't really matter. Um, and I would, I mean, he's going to probably make his, he's got, what, time to say 10 games left? I'm going to guess he's going to get a point a game, and that should do it. I mean, I'd give him 99, so throw in a two-pointer, a three-pointer, and that should take care of it. Uh, especially when you look at their um, schedule. Um, they got Carolina tomorrow night. Carolina needs the points, so that might be a, a fought game. Then they play Ottawa, who is out of it. Then they got a couple of tough ones, L.A., Anaheim, Columbus, all teams uh, jockeying for playoff spots. But then they've got Vancouver, who's out of it. Uh, they got Calgary, who by then might be out of it. Um, Minnesota and Vegas, both carefully, by that point, now we're talking April 2nd and 5th, but by that point are looking ahead to the playoffs, so what kind of efforts you're going to get there, hard to say. And then you got to end the season, Vancouver. So he should be good for at least a point against Ottawa, Vancouver twice, and Calgary. And usually when they play Calgary, he's good for two or three. So I'm going to say he, I'm going to say he gets it done. Uh, he's definitely going to get the hundred, and he will scare the the title. Uh, what does that mean to the Oilers if he doesn't win the scoring title? Does that make their season a complete and total colossal failure? Uh, it's been a failure anyway because everybody, or pretty much everybody, at least had them making the playoffs this year after the success they had last year. Um, so to follow that up with a lesser performance in all aspects. Not only are they not winning and not making the playoffs, but they're not getting it done statistically either. And, you know, uh, What do you take away from that, from that season? Um, what's going on on that team if that doesn't happen? Because I have to say, last night against, or yesterday afternoon against Tampa Bay, uh, he didn't look very good. Uh, he looked kind of uh, disinterested, I guess would be the word. And you sort of can't blame him because what's he got to look forward to? You know, he's going to get a nice paycheck, and I guess that takes a sting away from some of it. But uh, I'm going to guess or at least hope that he's playing to win the cup. Um, and he's probably not really happy about uh, not even making the playoffs and uh, – if I recall correctly, I don't want to throw the guy under the bus, but I believe he declined a world championship invitation last year. Um, so I don't even know if that's an interest to his to keep the season going, at least on, in some way, by going over there and uh, or wherever it is this year and getting to do something there. Um, it's got to be hard for a guy of his quality. Or of his skill, 
to uh, you know watch it go down the drain. Uh, you know, despite your efforts. Um, yeah, tough for a young guy. But like I said, at least if nothing else, he's got that big that big check coming. So that you know, like I said, we'll take the sting out of uh, uh, out of a certain amount. Um, yeah, poor Mr. McDavid. But to flip the table, then we have Mr. Nathan McKinnon, who last year had to suffer through the disaster that was the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, this year, at the beginning of the season, they were not looking all that spectacular either. Um, and then they decided that somebody had to go. And it appears, at least, that for a change, uh, the, a team made the right choice on who to get rid of. Uh Quite often that when they bust up and get rid of a fairly big name, it usually doesn't work that well. But in this case, they got rid of Matt Duchesne, who, to be honest, I'd never heard anything bad about as far as dressing room or any of that sort of stuff goes. But uh, he seemed to, they traded him, and that seemed to turn it around. And they've been doing fairly well ever since. Um, including a eight nine winning, well eleven actually, I guess it was uh, back in December, we started the new year. And they went on a ten eleven game winning streak, lost a couple, and have been you know about five hundred ever since, beating the teams they should beat. And Mr. McKinnon is the man who is responsible. Because he's put that team on his back and carried them into the playoffs, it looks like. Uh, he's a guy, you, you know, another guy that you don't really hear that much about. He's kind of, uh, even though he was a first-round um, selection, I believe back in the uh, Oh, he's 22, so 2013, maybe 2014, something like that. Uh, I don't know. We're having a small internet problem. Hope we're still on the air. We appear to be. Okay. Anyway, um, where was I? Nathan McKinnon. Um. First round pick. He's only 22 years old. Uh, doing what Connor McDavid is doing, but doing it better, in my opinion. He gets the points and the goals when they need them. Um, he isn't the kind of you know he doesn't get those five point nights when the score is six to two. He gets that goal or gets that assist that pushes him ahead or puts him in the lead or. Uh, you know, gets the rally started. He's a he's a he's a what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, when he does the times of the game that he does it are more important. You know, you can get all the empty net goals you want. I mean, that's all nice for the stats, but it doesn't really 
there'll be a win, really. To be honest, you're already winning if you're scoring empty netters. Um, yeah, uh, not enough to say about Nathan McKinnon. Uh, he's got 13 goals in his last 12 games, 24 points in those last 12 games. Um, and more crazily, uh, usually when guys go on streaks, it's because their uh, shooting percentage goes way up or they're getting a lot more shots on net, that sort of thing. And yet he, he's not. He's just, uh, his stats have pretty much stayed the same. Um, he doesn't play an extremely ridiculous amount of ice time. Um he takes pretty much a regular shift, except for the power play, of course. Um, he's just a hell of a hockey player. And, uh, a guy to watch for in the playoffs if Colorado gets there. Um, all right, we got 15 minutes left. Uh, let's talk about the general manager's meetings that are going on in, I believe, Boca Raton, Florida, right now as we speak. Um, a lot of things going on there. Uh, the league must have been listening to white men can't score last week because they are at least going to try to refine or revise or tighten up the uh, goalie interference and offside rules. We're not exactly sure how they're going to do it, but at least they're talking about it. And uh, at least there's a chance that they're going to smarten that up and uh, try to at least uh, get some kind of parity on what is and what isn't, whether we agree with that parity or not is another uh, question. But uh, I think we all agree that uh, at least having some consensus on what qualifies as offside and or goalie interference would be quite helpful at this point. Uh, another thing they're going to look at um, is uh, the slashing penalty on whether they want to continue to be relatively tough on it or if they're going to lessen it up for the rest of the year in the playoffs, which is normally what happens. Uh, I'd like to see them lessen it up a little bit. Um, I have no problem with the two-hander that I can hear on the TV. Uh, those one-handed taps on the gloves, though, are, or on the stick, to me, aren't penalties. But I'm from a different era, but I'd like to see them la- loosen up on that a little bit. Um, another one they want to look at is uh, face-off violations. Uh, they were all over that, if you recall, earlier in the season. Uh and now it seems to be, uh, except for last night there, where apparently there was all kinds of nonsense. It seems to be something they've kind of forgotten. Um, so they want to they want to talk to their teams and see if that's uh, you know, something they want to have another look at. And they also uh, addressed um, uh, the penalty you get for the visor. Uh, if you recall, earlier in the year, uh, Leo Konarov took a couple penalties for um, not having his visor in a position they felt was proper. I'm not quite sure 
how that all works. But the update was quite interesting is that they have issued, uh, they've kind of grandfathered into a few of the league's older players a dispensation that allows them to wear their visors how they normally would, which are technically against the rules, which makes no sense to me. It's either a rule or it's not. If three guys can wear them like goofballs however they want, why can't everyone? But welcome to the NHL. So uh, of notables on that list is Leo Komarov, uh, Nick Cronwell from Detroit, and Nicholas Harmelson from Arizona, who have been singled out as guys who have busted that law or rule and are now uh, able to do as they please with uh, regards to their visor. That's pretty interesting. Um, Another thing they're going to look at with the impending addition of a franchise in Seattle is an expansion of the playoffs. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, I'd like to see them change the format, period. Uh, But that has kind of met with cold shoulder. I, I part of me would like it to go back to the one versus sixteen era where the divisions and stuff didn't quite matter quite so much. Of course the problem with that is is when you don't have league parity, um you can end up with a pretty unbalanced east west thing going on. Um but this year for instance, uh, you're basically looking at the same teams in the fight. You're just looking at different uh, matchups. You'd get Nashville against uh, Columbus against New Jersey, Columbus against Tampa Bay, the Blues against Boston. Vegas against Dallas, Winnipeg against L.A., Toronto against Philadelphia, Washington against Anaheim, Minnesota against Colorado, and San Jose versus Pittsburgh. Those would be your first-round matchups. I don't know how you feel about that, but um, anyway, the league is looking at some type of uh, perhaps a a play-in game or a one-game sort of like baseball does. Um, And, of course, as we all know, the owners and the uh, Players Association are all for expansion in another playoff game or more more rounds because, of course, that means more revenue and that means salary cap goes up and that's good for all the players and the owners to some degree as well. Um, So that's going to be interesting. We'll have to see what comes out of those meetings. uh, uh, so let's, uh, uh, that being said, uh, let's look at Monday's games. Uh, tonight we got Columbus and Boston. Uh, not that important of a game. I guess Columbus would mind having another two points. Nothing really at stake there. Uh, same with Nashville at Buffalo. That's a no interest game. Uh, the Panthers at the Canadians. Uh, poor Canadians fans. Montreal just continues to suck horrifically. Um, they were embarrassed by Toronto on Saturday night. 
Uh, Florida needs that win. So that might might end up being a decent game. Uh, L.A. at Minnesota, that's the game of the night. Uh, both teams need those points to stay where they are. Los Angeles needs them worse. And then in the light game is Calgary and Arizona, which as a game is a snore fest. But uh, Calgary desperately needs those points. And if they don't win tonight against Arizona, I'm going to say that's it for them. They're done. Uh, looking ahead, Tuesday and, of course, Thursday, as always, are big nights. And Saturday. Not sure why they, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the dead nights in the NHL, but 12 games on Saturday, 10 on Thursday, 11 on Tuesday night. Um, not really by looking at the Tuesday nighters, nothing that important. Again, Florida playing and needing points. Um, Colorado at Chicago. That should be a two-pointer for Colorado on Tuesday. Uh, the Devils need points. They play San Jose in the late game on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday has nothing of any great significance. St. Louis at Boston. St. Louis needs the points. I'm going to say that Calgary is going to be done by Wednesday. Um, yeah, and then you got to look after that for you know whatever you're particularly interested in as far as playoff matches go. Uh, basically, at this point, there's you know what do we say four or five teams still fighting for that last uh, wild card spot. And other than that, it's just teams jockeying for uh, position. Like uh, for instance, Boston could uh, well, they're four points uh, behind uh, Tampa Bay, I believe, and they've got a game in hand, I think. I'll have to double-check that quick. they got two games in hand, and they're four points behind. So there's a chance that Boston could catch Tampa Bay, and that would flip those playoff matches a little bit. Uh, We'd keep Toronto from having a playoff. We just have to play Tampa Bay instead of Boston. I don't know if that's any great help. but um, So there are games are always important, I guess, too, for young players or stats or uh, your fantasy pool if you got one, and not as if you even want to click on the fantasy button after the unbelievable disaster in the NCAAs if you're into the basketball, not to talk too much about basketball on the hockey podcast, but um, that's the kind of, uh, in a way, that's the kind of uh, results you'd like to see in the NHL playoffs for for a year where uh, the favorites just (laughs) are swept away in a, you know, a flurry of madness, and there are guys left standing or teams that some of us have, uh, even who follow the sport, you know, some colleges there that nobody's really ever heard of. Uh, that's the way sports goes, you know. That's why we play the games, and that's why we love the sports. Because despite all the statistics in the world and all the would-haves and should-haves, it still occasionally happens that... Uh, team we don't suspect to come out of nowhere will and get it done that's what hockey's all about so for a wrap up got about two minutes left here or so um i guess a couple of quick notes don't forget uh wednesday 8 p.m eastern wide men can't jump single greatest uh, nba basketball podcast in existence 
uh, hosted by uh, Tom Robinson and uh, Mr. Nate Bush, um, were listed on the uh, top uh, Philadelphia NBA, Philadelphia 76er NBA podcasts, no small feat. Um, also mentioned several times on Ranker.com as a not-to-miss podcast. Um, of course, you can catch me here every Monday at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 12 Mountain for us Canadians on the West Coast. I guess uh, 11 in the Pacific time zone um, for some hockey chat. And, of course, this podcast is going to do nothing but ramp up as we get closer to the playoffs. And the news becomes more and more important. Right now we're sort of in that little lull before things get interesting again. Um, of course, there's the Wide Men Network, uh, Sunday Night Roundtable, where uh, things get are uh, politically incorrect. Um, it was mostly basketball talk this week, but a few other things snuck in there. And uh, you want to phone into that show, which, of course, you're, you're welcome if you're listening uh, specifically, if you go to the blogtalkradio.com website and type in Wide Men Can't Score, there's a number there where you can phone in and give your opinion. Or if you want to ask a question or there's something uh, you think I'm crazy that I mentioned whatever I may have mentioned, that uh, you can get your nickel in and uh, we welcome the calls. Um, same with on the Sunday Night Roundtable. I'm more than happy to uh, hear somebody else's opinion out from out there. I'm not right about everything. And, you know, some new perspective never, ever hurts. Um, yeah, and with that being said, uh, I look forward to next week. Uh, the ratings for this show have been exceptionally high for what we expected, what with it being a, it's basically a non-publicized podcast uh about hockey to uh, generally a uh, audience that is American and is more about football and uh, basketball. But as I said, we've been pleasantly surprised. We're starting to cut into some other countries. We've got some listeners from Australia and uh, Mexico, surprisingly. Uh, we've even picked up a few in uh, Europe, uh, England, uh, Germany, uh, and uh, what was the other one? Turkey. I didn't know Turkey. There was any hockey interest in Turkey, but apparently there is. Um, so for everybody who's listened or downloaded or even taken the time to look it up, and uh, I want to give you a big thanks for that because it all helps. As I said before, we're not trying to make any really great amount of money here, but uh, well, there is a plan to get bigger and better and get some kind of revenue stream. So for everyone who listens that and downloads, that greatly helps. And... Uh, as I said, uh, we really uh, appreciate all our listeners and the sponsors, and we look forward to bigger and better. So, I guess that's another edition. Uh, so I'll see you guys uh, March 25th, or 26th, I guess it would be, on for another episode of Wide Men Can't Score, episode four, the great Bobby Orr edition. And uh, that's it from me for... Today, uh, have a good day from the Great White North. Uh, take it easy and have a good one, boys. I'm out of here. <laughs>